I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus Christ, King of all, I pray that you would take my thoughts, that you would take my words, and that you would put all that it is in my mind, all that it, the thoughts that are scrambling up there, and make them a help for your people. As we look to your word, and we look to you to be our help, teach us what this means, and help us, oh Lord, to believe you in this world though everyone else may turn away. Jesus, you are king of all. Teach us your word today. We pray. Well, welcome back to Growing Strong. We are trying to work our way through the one-year Bible, though it's been a long time since we've been back together. We've had so much going on here. The biggest news that I have is that I am two weeks away from becoming a grandmother, and we are just constantly keeping our eyes on Hannah, willing baby Jedediah to come out. I know that I was two weeks early, which would be today. And I just, we are just looking at each other like, could it be, could it be, could it be that he would come today? We are just so excited about everything that God is doing here. So we are working in this podcast through the one-year Bible, but more than that, we are trying to learn together how to be the kind of women that this psalm talks about how to be the kind of women whose entire confidence would be in the Lord. That we would know our God so well that no matter what comes our way, our feet would not be moved because we know him and we know that he is our keeper. 
and that he watches our coming out and our going forth forevermore. But I have found, and I, and I recently shared with this on this psalm at a, at a women's retreat at my cousin's church, and I spoke there on these same things, and I shared there, and I'm going to share today, that I believe there are two types of people in the world. Those who believe God and those who do not. Now that seems obvious, right? But I'm not necessarily talking about people who believe in God. Lots of people do that. I am talking about people who believe God. You see, we are surrounded by a form of Christianity in our nation today that is totally weak and knows nothing about the God of the Bible. A people who trust maybe in money or wealth and houses and cars and are looking more, just like we hear all the time, and are looking more for the, than for their best life now. But that is not the kind of people that Jesus in this book is after. He is looking for men and women who will willingly surrender to his rule no matter what it may cost them. And to walk with him in intimacy day by day, day by day, day by day, because that is what the kingdom of God is all about. You see, it's, it's real easy to read the words of this psalm that I just read, it's Psalm 121. It's real easy to read the words of this psalm. It's a favorite, right? It's one that we turn to often. And it's real easy to turn to the words of the psalm and get lots of feel-good feelings. But that's not what I'm after here today. I'm after Christ and his word and help that this world cannot give me when everything around me is falling apart. Like I just mentioned, I, a couple months ago, I got a phone call from a woman at my, my cousin's church asking me to come share with some woman at her church. And she asked me to share from this particular psalm. And by the way, I'm going to tell Aaron Joy, my cousin, and I'm going to hopefully welcome to this podcast today all those women from CRC who I shared with that day because I have a lot of new news that I want to share with you. So welcome to you if you're joining us on the podcast here today. I'm going to share with that, that stuff at the end, but I welcome you today and I'm going to tell you, just like I shared with you all that day, and I'm going to share with you on this podcast today, that the words of this psalm, probably this psalm, more than any other, have been my life. I have lived them. I have breathed them. I have wrestled with them countless times, but I have found them to be absolutely true in the midst of the very 
worst storms of my life. So I'm going to sit here today and I'm going to share with you that the Lord is my help. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. When you see these letters, when you see these letters in all caps in your Bible, Bible, it's the Hebrew name Yahweh. We've talked about that before. And when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush to send him back to deliver the people of Israel out of the hand of Egypt, Moses asked him, what is your name? And God answered him, I am who I am. In Hebrew, the name is Yahweh, and he was about to make himself glorious and do wonders before their eyes, such as the world had never seen. And he did. But I'm going to tell you, he still does today. And he will from this time forth and forevermore. So much has happened in the last past couple months, both in my life, like I shared, I'm getting ready to be a grandma. We've been counting down those days, but but a lot has happened in the one-year Bible since I was here a couple months ago. It's been hard. I've been thinking about this for the past couple of weeks, and it's been hard for me to know exactly where to jump back in. We've, se- we've seen so much happen in the nation of Israel. We, so- we saw them finally come into the land of Canaan. We walked with them through the period of the judges, Saul, the kings, Samuel, so many of the kings. Now we're back into the book of Chronicles. And I went back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I just, I just came back and decided to jump in right where I left off. So if you remember, and if you don't, you can go back. I actually had to. I had to go back and see where exactly was it that I left off. See, God had brought the Israelites out of the nation of Egypt with a great and mighty hand. Like I said, he had made himself a people, a nation. He had made himself glorious, doing wonders that had never seen, been seen before or since. But when the people got out into the wilderness, we saw last time, that they began to grumble and complain over and over again, over and over again. And we talked last time and we challenged ourselves to live above that, to live in the kingdom life where we don't grumble or complain, but we lay our lives before the king of the universe and surrender all things unto him, thanking him regardless of what this life would bring. So that brought us to where we're going to look at today in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Now at this time, God had commanded Moses to send 12 spies one from each tribe, to spy out the land of Canaan. 
Now, like we said, this was the promised land, the land that he had delivered them out of the hand of Egypt to bring them to. They had all seen the power of God. We've talked about the plagues. We've talked about the parting of the Red Sea. A fire had led these people by night and a cloud by day. We had seen water come out of the rock when they had no water and he was feeding them right at this time. He was feeding them with the bread of heaven, manna from his hand every single day. They witnessed the miracle of God every single day. He had told them in Exodus 19 that he had done all of these things for them. He had done all of these great and mighty things to make for himself a kingdom, a kingdom where Yahweh would be their king and he would provide for them everything they needed. He would fight for them. And the people of Israel were to hold fast to him in love. Again, this is Exodus 19. The people of Israel were to hold fast to him in love and obey him where he would be their God. And he was making a covenant with him where they would be his treasured possession. And all the people at that time, all the people at that time had stood before God and said, everything that the Lord has said, we will do. Everything. We are all in. Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. Pick up the story with me in the book of Exodus chapter 13. I'm going to start at verse 17. It says this, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negeb and go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be strong and have good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now that was the time of the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went out, they set forth, pick up with me again in verse 25. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them, excuse me, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land in which you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And it says that the fruit was so heavy that they had to carry the grapes in between them on two sticks, and it was weighing down the sticks because the fruit of the land was just that good. This was the land he was bringing them into, a land of milk and honey. You know, to understand this, we have to understand who the people of Israel were. The people of Israel 
were shepherds. Their entire livelihood would be determined by having enough pasture lands for their flocks. Now, I've shared with you before, and I'm going to talk about it here again because I have such a different perspective at the Bible now than I used to because I'm a shepherd. I have a small flock of sheep. I have six ewes, two rams, and we just got rid of five lambs. And we're actually almost ready for breeding season again where we're going to begin the whole process all over again. And one of the reasons I love, like I said, being a shepherd is because I learned so much about the Bible. But listen, I go once a week to Dan's feed down in Temecula and fill the back of my pickup truck with alfalfa because I live in a desert. I don't have any grass for my sheep to graze on, so I have to buy them food. Now, the people of Israel were shepherds, and they didn't have just small flocks like me. They had hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of sheep and goats, and they needed land for them to graze on. So don't miss this. Our God is a generous God. And the land that he was bringing them into would flow with milk and honey. And that means absolutely nothing to me. I looked it up. Honey was implying that there would have to be an abundance of grass and flowers and water. Because without that, there would be no bees to make the honey. So when God said, I'm bringing you into a land of milk and honey, first off, it meant that there was going to be a lot of grass for their flocks. It was going to be a luscious land that God was bringing them into. Literally, it would be gushing with the abundance needed for a lot of honey. There would be an abundance of everything they needed. And if there was an abundance of grass, there would be an abundance of sheep, an abundance of goats, and their people would be able to have milk. The land would flow because of the provision of God with milk and honey. Isn't that just like our God? He doesn't lead his people into a land and say, I'm not going to provide for you there. The land was going to be a blessing of abundance with milk and honey. Now pick up the story with me in verse 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. 
the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. The spies acknowledged, yes, indeed, the land overflows with provisions. But there are giants in the land, and their cities are huge, and they are strong, and they will devour us. And all of the people of Israel raised a loud cry and wept and said, we would rather have died as slaves in the land of Egypt. We would have rather died as slaves in the land of Egypt than fight the battle before us. And they looked around for a new leader to bring them back to Egypt. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then all of the congregation raised a loud cry to the people and wept that night. And all of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Can I paraphrase what they said for you? Joshua and Caleb. 
they looked out over the congregation of the people and Israel and said, Oh, my people, lift up your eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let our feet be moved. He won't slumber. He won't sleep. He will keep us from all harm. He will keep us from all harm. He will keep our going out and our coming forth, both now and forevermore. And the people picked up stones to kill them. I get really emotional and really passionate every time I read this passage. Because I have two sons. And their names are Caleb and Joshua because of this passage right here. Because these two men believed God in spite of the giants, in spite of the fortified cities, in spite of the impossibility of the situation. And I wanted to raise sons like that. I wanted to raise sons like that in this generation. Men who would believe God at all cost. Never back down. But I realized a long, long time ago that if I was going to be able to raise sons like that, I had better learn to believe my God too though everyone else would turn away. God said, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not believe me? I don't want people to say that about me. My prayer is that someday that someday when they put my body in the grave, people would be able to testify about my life. There's a woman, she believed God. Oh my God, may that be true of me. How do we do that? How do, we, how do we become that type of woman? It 
if you've heard me speak before. And I will say it to my dying breath. I will exhort you to immerse yourself in the word of God. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Every word, every day, every thought, day by day, day by day, day by day, and never put it down. That's why I'm so passionate about the word of God because it has been for me a tool, the one-year Bible. It has been for me a tool for 20 years that not a single verse has passed. It is a tool where we can come and read and build our faith verse by verse day by day. It has changed my life and it has made me strong. Recently, we, we had a wedding on our property and, and, we, and when I challenge you, it's funny because I had just gotten back from sharing at that women's retreat and we, we came back and, and we were getting ready to have a wedding on our property. We've had many weddings on our property. Well, not many, I'd say three or four. But whenever we have weddings on our property, my husband, Derek, he loves for the property just to look as beautiful as it can. But, but the problem is we live in Southern California. And let me just tell you that there is nothing in Southern California that is green. And if it is green, the only reason it's green is because mankind spends a lot of money on water. But listen to me. Psalm 1 teaches us something about this. Psalm 1 teaches us that if we will take the word of God and not just read it, but meditate on it, day and night, we will be like a tree planted by streams of water and that our leaves would not wither. And the only reason that leaves of trees wither is because they don't have any water. So we, we were getting ready for this wedding, and I always think, I, I, I have to mostly hand water everything on our property. And we are planting all of these flowers and, and spending all of this time watering just to make it look as beautiful as we could for their wedding day. And three days after their wedding, three days after their wedding, three days of no water, the hillside had already begun to die. 
So much so that I went out and I took pictures of it because I wanted it to be a permanent reminder to me of what my soul looks like without water. Because the spots where we had continued to water were lush and beautiful. But after three days without water, everything had begun to die. I have hydrangeas and hydrangeas take a lot of water and it's a picture every day when I go to water them because it's the middle of summer so we're in the middle of heat and if I don't watch watch my hydrangeas by mid-afternoon every single day their leaves have started to wither and it's as if the Holy Spirit were speaking to me every single day. Elizabeth. My word is water. Do not neglect it. Do not drift away. Because all too soon, you'll begin to wither. You'll lose your hope. And the hillside, so to speak, of your life will turn brown. Oh, that we would not let this happen to our souls. His word is water to your soul. Drink deeply from his well. It is water and it is life for you. But listen, I'm going to take it a step further because there is a warning and a danger in this well, in this as well, because simply reading and hearing the words of the book will not make you strong. A casual reading of God's word will not make you strong. Because all 12 spies of Moses were sent into the land of Canaan. All 12 spies had heard the word of the Lord. Only two of them believed it. We have to read his word and believe it and put our life upon it and trust it no matter what comes our way. The book of James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Friends, we must not 
only be hearers of the word, but just like Joshua and Caleb, we must believe it. God had said, I will give you this land. And all the other spies only saw the giants. But Caleb and Joshua heard the word of the Lord. And they said, we will act upon it. We will believe it. And we will go after that land. At the women's retreat, I had shared with them many of the stories that I've shared here with you. You guys all know the, the story of my friend Karen. And if you don't, go back in the podcast. I think I shared that the very first story. I've shared with you the story of Mary's adoption and how God had used his word then to make me strong. I have shared over and over and over again because this is the passion of my life. I've shared how the Lord has been my help time and time again as I have sought him in his word. But we have to believe it. Look with me at Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 5, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. And isn't that exactly what happened to the people of Israel in Numbers 13? Of course, they could not defeat the giants when they were trusting in themselves and their own strength. You see, they lifted up to their eyes to the hills and they saw nothing but giants and fortified cities and destructions and their hearts utterly turned away from the Lord because they would not believe him. And they spent the rest of their days dwelling in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. I can relate to this because when we do not water our property, it's an uninhabited salt land. It's just a desert. And there's nothing green. And I don't want to be like that. But blessed is the man, verse 7, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The drought is going to come. The heat is going to come. Where are your roots? I can guarantee you that the deeper your roots are into the word of God, the stronger you will become. That, that, that weekend, 
I spoke at that women's retreat. It was interesting timing for me. And it was interesting how God ordained it that when Doreen called me up and asked me to speak on Psalm 121, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I realized very quickly, quickly, that the message of Psalm 121 was for me. Isn't it amazing how he works? You see, that weekend, I was in desperate need of help. You guys know the story of this property. I've shared it. And I remember when we were praying about buying it, we've been here three years, this was about three and a half years ago when we were praying about whether or not we were going to buy it, when it looked like it was absolutely a complete impossibility, I drove up early one morning to a hillside behind this property to pray. And I stood overlooking the property, pouring, just pouring out my heart to God. I was seeking him. asking him for wisdom and direction about what he was doing with our lives and where he wanted us to go and what he wanted to do and specifically whether or not he wanted us to buy his property. It looked impossible. But as I opened up my one-year Bible for that morning, it just happened to be on the story that we are talking about today. Funny how God works. It was a story of Caleb and Joshua. And as I'm praying about this land, I read this. Caleb was speaking. It says, The land that we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. I look back on that day now and laugh. A little. I didn't know what God was doing. I knew he was speaking. But little did I know the absolute adventure he was about to begin with us. 
from that day on, we had just in order to buy the property, we went up and down, up and down, up and down so many times. And it got to the place we really, we wanted to do this so badly. But it looked like all, it was, it was just impossible. There were so many different things regarding this land that just, just made it simply impossible. And, and the escrow would go up and down and lots of crazy things were happening. And, and when it looked like all was lost... And everything regarding the dream of this property was about to die. I drove back up to that hillside again. And I, I wrestled with God that morning. I wanted him to give us this property. He wanted me to surrender my dreams to him. I wrestled. I wanted so badly just to say, God, will you just do this for me? Will you just do this for me? Please, would you just do this for me? Isn't that how so often we want to pray? God, would you give me what I want? And God says, will you surrender what you want and trust me to give you what you need? In the end, he won. And I wrote a prayer of surrender in my journal that morning before I left. I told the Lord that I would drive down that hill today and never come back. That I would leave this property in his hands. That my life was not my own. That I had been bought with the blood of Christ and he could give me anything he pleased wherever he pleased to take me. And all I asked for that day was that if he should so choose to give us this land, to give us this piece of property, my only prayer was that it would be used for his kingdom. I ripped that prayer out of my journal and I found a rock on the property and I buried my prayer under that rock expecting to never return again. But God, But God, he is and always will be the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe this? Nothing is impossible with God. 
do you believe this? Because through many turns of events, God did see fit to give us this property. And when I got here, I went up to that rock and I dug up that prayer and I offered it to God once again. But everything in my heart had changed because originally I wanted this property for my own selfish gain, for my own dreams. But God changed me inside and he gave me this property for his dreams and for his kingdom. And my prayer from the day we moved here has always been that this property would never be mine, would never be ours, but was simply an offering of ours for him to use however he would see fit for his kingdom. You guys know the story. You guys who have walked with me, sometimes we just laugh. You guys know the story. Ever since that day, everything has gone wrong. Everything. The fire, the floods, Derek's neck, the septic, the road, the county, our architect, COVID. And now three years later, here we are still waiting without a house. You guys know I haven't had an indoor shower in three years. I don't have a house. And I would not trade what he has done in me for anything. I am not the same woman I was when I moved here. Though he slay me, though he take everything away, he gives me himself. And he has walked with us through this journey day by day, day by day, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. When I was asked to speak at that women's retreat three months ago or so, lumber prices had reached an all-time high. Now, maybe many of you will, will hear about, oh, lumber prices, you know, on, on news articles or in the Wall Street Journal or something like that, and it has absolutely no impact on your life. But when you're trying to build a house, the cost of lumber means everything. And Derek had gotten us all together the night before I left for that women's retreat. And he had said to all of us who live here on the property, we are in an impossible situation. And I don't know what to do. Because of COVID, we haven't been able to get our building permit, but it looked like we were just on the cusp of actually getting our building permit. 
And after two and a half years, almost three years of waiting for that permit, when it finally came down where we could actually begin to build our house, lumber prices had skyrocketed to an all-time high, and now we would need an extra $200,000. And that was impossible. And we did not know but I had left that weekend to share about this psalm, Psalm 121. And I told them, I told them that day that though I was standing there before them, telling them the stories of my life, telling them what God had done and that he could be trusted. I was really preaching to my own soul. Lift up your eyes, Elizabeth. Lift up your eyes. Your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you. He will keep you. Yahweh is your help, O oh my soul. I'm not sure if I shared with the women of CRC that weekend or not, but Derek and I and all of us had decided that weekend we were going to pray about what to do in the next week we would get together and talk about it and decide and make a plan. We needed help and we were going to ask God to make a way. The week I got home, we were still praying about it a couple days later, and I, I wrote this in my journal. I wrote, Jesus, everything around me is falling apart. We cannot build this house. The lumber prices have risen beyond anything we have ever heard or seen before. It seems like everywhere we turn, we hit a dead end. That day was May 6th. The lumber prices on that day were $1,670 per thousand cubic feet or however they measure it. $1,670. Derek, Mike, and Joanne and I got together that day on May 6th, and we prayed, and we pleaded with God for help, and surrendered 
our future and this property once again to him. Surrendering meaning, Lord, even if you do not save us, we will follow you. Even if you do not do anything, we will follow you because we trust you. On June 7th, a month later, I wrote this. Yesterday on Sunday night, Mike, my father-in-law, taught on surrendering to the authority of God. I surrender. I leave my rights behind and surrender to your kingdom. This property is not mine. Forgive me if I thought it was even for a second. Forgive me for failing to trust you completely. You have the sovereign, righteous, authoritative, powerful rule over this property. And I will not lean on my own understanding. All of this, Romans 8.28, all of this is for my good. I trust you completely, Jesus. And I thank you for what you are doing. Jesus, I thank you. I truly thank you that lumber prices are so high because in your sovereignty, that is what you have ordained. Thank you for skyrocketing lumber prices because you are working it all for my good. So this morning, I'm choosing to sincerely thank God for skyrocketing lumber prices because he has sovereign, righteous, authoritative, powerful rule over the lumber industry, over this property, and over this build. And he has promised me to work all things together for our good. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of our needs according to his kingdom rule. I am at total rest and peace in his care. I absolutely love surrendering to your kingdom rule. There is no better way to live my life. Those are my journal entries from May 6th and June 7th. And all I can say is this, that lumber prices, I looked this up just this week as I was preparing for this, lumber prices were at their all-time high on May 6th. Ever since the day we prayed they have been in a free fall.
Do you see that nothing is impossible with our God? Do you see that he is Lord over all and that he is Lord of even the lumber industry? Oh, my friends, lift up your eyes to the hills. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lumber prices have dropped over a thousand dollars. Oh, he has bent his ear to our prayer. He is so good. Don't look anywhere else. Don't go to anything else. Simply lift up your eyes to the hills. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Listen, these last few years have been hard, but I would not trade them for the world. They have made me strong. And I have seen God in his word like never before. Isaiah 66, too, says this, All these things my hand has made. And so all of these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Oh, that God would make us into a people who would tremble at his word. You know, anything that I share on this podcast in my life, they're just stories of what God has done in my life when I pick up this book, when I pick up his word every day and I walk with him when I believe him and I obey him no matter what, no matter what. But you know, it's so easy to look back at these stories and to say, look what God has done. But I'm gonna tell you, when you're in the middle of them and there are giants in the land, faith is a fight. And there are times when I am all alone so many times, even here on this property, when I'm all alone and I walk up to that pad that should be our house, and I turn myself around because that place is surrounded by hills. And I ask myself, where is my help going to come from? But it's a fight. And in that moment, I turn up the music and I shout to my soul, my help comes from the Lord and he will not let my foot be moved. Sometimes we've got to fight. But don't let the giants win. So this is my challenge to you once again. Immerse yourself 
in the Word of God and believe it. Live it. Surrender to it. Now I'm going to close today with a special exhortation to my sons. Joshua and Caleb. You both are the gift of God to me. If I were to look the whole world over, I don't know that I could find two men who so resemble their namesakes as you. Joshua, you are called by God. You know this. And Caleb, and Caleb, you have been set, set forth from before the foundation of the world. And you two as brothers are meant to be a team. Go after those giants. Believe God. Be men who stand together and believe God, though everyone else may turn away. Don't ever let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous, and then you as men will have success. Do not fear what they fear, but in your heart honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your clothing, what you will wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. But be aware, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Don't let it be you. Don't let it be your brother. But be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand when the day is evil. For he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son.
since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you, Joshua, for you, Caleb, have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of Christ always dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And above all, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of God. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few, but this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. And the one who remains to the end will be saved. So do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father. But even the very hairs on your head are numbered, and you are of more value than many sparrows. Joshua, Caleb, this is your calling. God is faithful, and he will complete the good work that he began in you. So now, as your mother... I present you to him for safekeeping. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Boys, just this year I learned something new 
about your story. I had never seen it before. When the people of Israel finally came into the land, after five years of conquest, it was finally time for Joshua to give the land to people who were to inherit it. And the first one who got his inheritance was Caleb. Do you know what he asked for? He asked for Hebron. And that never meant anything to me before. But this year I saw it. Caleb asked for Hebron because that's where the giants were. That's where the descendants of Anak were and that's what they were so afraid of 40 years before. But Caleb said, I'm gonna go after those giants because I lift my eyes to the hills and my help is from the Lord. Oh my boys. Joshua and Caleb never live a day, never live a day where you don't lift up your eyes and look to the hills and say, my help is from the Lord. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. Nothing is impossible with our God. Now stand up. And go after those giants. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. All to Jesus. To Jesus, I surrender at the feet I humbly bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender. Savior, holy God, let me feel the 